I'm excited about this one. This, for me, starts a trend of episodes centered around what we love, around what we care so much for. The masses are out there. The people, they want to know what you think and feel towards this little boy and his magical skills. Right. Tell Jim, us. I think Matt might be having some sort of break. <laughs> um, that happened years ago. I'm well over the well over the <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're sort of. <laughs> I think so, level of enthusiasm reflects my level of enthusiasm for Harry Potter. Yeah, so I think uh, that's true. That's good. It needs to accurately reflect that. <laughs> um, let's let's just rewind slightly for anyone who's kind of new to this thing. This is, of course, the Auric Digital Podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about something different. But before we get to that, guys, how's it been? How you doing? Yeah, it's been good. I've had a good week playing a lot of Harry Potter, unsurprisingly, <laughs> reliving my but, childhood. But that wasn't in prep for this. You were just doing it anyway. I mean, sort of anyway, anyway. Always be playing Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm super nerdy. If I'm not playing it, I might have it on in the background watching a Let's Play of it. So I'm still <laughs> absorbing it, even if I'm not playing it myself. Or, you know, watching the films, listen to all the books or the spin-off or oh man, there's there's a ton of audio as well. You were you were telling me there's a, a YouTube creator who does those like soundscapes. Yeah, like ambient noises. They call them ASMR ones. These aren't necessarily because they're not so much about wrestling papers or whatever. You get them. I do talk about it a little bit later on. Um, you get like Hogwarts Library or the Gryffindor Common Room or Hagrid's Hut. And you've got rain, crackling yeah. fire, little dragon making noises every so often. People reading, whispering in the library. And you just have it like on in the background, yeah. and it's like here I am at Hogwarts. And the comment section are the most wholesome thing. There's loads of people commenting like working on my homework. How's everyone else? And they're like keep it up, guys. <laughs> pretending I'm at Hogwarts. It's so wholesome. It's really nice. So yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, as I'll talk about later on, it's just really nice little like extra part of the world and it's really relaxing. It helps me stay focused because if I listen to music and it's a bit too hype, I get to a bit, bit too hype and yeah. it's like, need to refocus them. You're in Hogwarts Library, no messing around. <laughs> Filter will not be happy. So. Yeah, off, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Like if I need to focus, I'll listen to, listen to music, but it has to be a very particular kind. But I, I've never heard of that, like putting yourself within an environment, so like an imaginary or, or fictional um, environment to kind of find the right headspace for yeah, something. Yeah, you get like really um, cool. Lord of the Rings ones. You get just like generic fantasy tavern, like all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I've not looked, but you probably get like Star Wars, like you could be on the ship and so have like the wearing. Cantina, there's, yeah. there's, yeah. a, there's one really good one, which is like um, eight hours of being on the Enterprise D because you remember, you know, in all of the Star Trek episodes where you just have that low hum? Yeah. Where it's like, mm, it's just eight hours of that. Oh, that's and good. And it's like, and, you know, it means that you can turn around to your colleagues and say, like, oh, great, hot, whenever they ask for, like, two. Incidentally, I've never used that, but that, um, this is this is a very separate podcast uh, content that we're going to just slowly dip into. That kind of stuff is excellent for getting babies to sleep. Of course, you've got white noise and whatnot, because apparently that's what they hear when they're in the womb. Yeah. I've, I've recently resorted to car noise. So, and I've even, te- <laughs> I've been tempted with this over Christmas. I was taking our, our little boy for a walk um, in, his, in his little uh, stroller, and I was thinking... I mean, he looks comfortable in there, but I, I really want to like grab him, pull him out, put my my field recorder in there, and just record that noise to get the perspective from inside the stroller. Mm. Whack that on YouTube, loop it for ten hours, and give oh, myself about yeah. yeah. it. You're sorted. Yeah, it's just the kind of clattering of the wheels. They do have a lot. The, yeah. the videos have a lot of views. It's like eight hundred thousand views on like yeah, Hogwarts yeah. Library. Nine hours. It's like <laughs> people are there. I mean, five hundred thousand of them are me, but there's still another <laughs> three hundred thousand other people. So it's good. Mm. Which is actually mm. extremely relevant to the main body of <laughs> yes. the podcast. So thanks for that excellent that's why I'm on board <laughs> segways Jem I went very recently 
to uh, the Harry Potter Studio Tour. That's correct. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Is that the official <laughs> name for it? So I went there with my partner um, and I knew absolutely nothing about Harry Potter, really. I think I've seen the movies, but I've forgotten pretty much everything, except for I think in the last movie, there's a bit in a tent where they talk. Quite, quite a lot out. of it is yeah? in a tent, yeah. Right, okay. Correct. So there's some bits with a tent. Um, and um, I also, the video games from around the period of time, they all completely skipped me over. I think I played a little bit of one of the, I think it was like a Lego game. My condolences, like you've missed out on a lot right. of very good games. Because we've so. talked in the past a lot about, about, I mean, obviously you're a big Harry Potter fan. Mm -hmm. But also, like, this goes into a lot of the different mediums and stuff like that, especially yeah. video games yeah. and so on. Like, yeah. So where does that start for you? Um, I started, so I was obsessed with the books as a kid. They were very popular in my nerd school. So I started reading from, like, eight or nine. Mm. And then I was, like, growing up as the books came out. And they do get much darker as, as they go. Mm. So I still grew up with them. And it was sort of designed for my age group, which was really nice. And then the films and games came out alongside that sort of a similar time as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess growing up and learning about the world and learning about like what it's like to grow up at the same time as those was really good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, obviously I just loved games anyway as a kid. Um, so to be able to play games of like my favorite, the books are absolutely my favorite to be able to play games of those was incredible. Right. What to be in that space or to be those characters yeah. or, or. So they started out, um, basically there are 44 Harry Potter games. Across, <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, across 15 platforms, um, by 10 different studios. So, yeah, when they first started and no one knew how big Harry Potter was going to be, it was sort of spread around and yeah. everyone had a different interpretation of it. Because mm -hmm. it's difficult, I think it's a difficult sort of story to adapt to a video game, as I'll talk about in a bit. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool that you could see all these different studios and mediums trying to interpret it. So when you say, okay, so let's let's break those numbers down just quickly, because when you say there's 10 different studios, like with the way video games are made at the moment, obviously you might have, let's say for example, um, the Batman property. Uh, Warner will go off and they'll they'll own the whole property and they'll have a team that works on that and they'll make most of the games. Maybe another team will do a spin-off or like an off-year release and maybe another team will go off and do the portable version. But there won't be that many different outings. But this sounds like, like how does how, how do you get 10 teams, different teams involved with like that? Many? And how, also, how do you have like 44 games? <laughs> like there's so, only eight films? Yeah, eight films. But then you've got the different platforms, especially like early on, the right. sort of first three films, books. Um, when they came out, there was a lot of different platforms. So Chamber of Secrets, for example, is on Game Boy Advance, GameCube, PS1, PS2, Xbox, uh, Game Boy Color, PC and Mac. Um, and that was 2002. So um, at the time, my understanding of it is you'd have different studios that specialized in different things. Right. And then also it wasn't um, as big a franchise back then. So uh, Warner Brothers were allowed, allowing p different people to sort of have a try the smaller studios that were doing it. But then later on, as it got bigger and more of a powerhouse around the fourth film, Goblet of Fire, um, EA, EA took charge of making all the games and all the versions. So then it became a lot more unified. And also by that point, the consoles were a lot more in line with each other of what they could do graphically right, and stuff right. like that. So um, you weren't having to make like a really watered down or completely changed version to run on um, a PS1 versus a PS2. I was going to say like, so so the difference between like a Game Boy Color and a PS2 is obviously absolutely yeah. massive. So are they attempting to, are they attempting to replicate the same kind of game? Like, is it that... Know how to explain it so um again we talked about tony hawks like there's a tony hawks available on gba 
and it's an isometric game, but it is the same maps, the same music, the same characters as the PS1 version. Is that what they're trying to do with these Harry no, Potter so games? No, what happened with the earlier ones was, um, I wrote down different types, so you get all different game styles. They also, because this was over such a long period of time, they tried to match, sometimes make the games match what was popular at the time. Right, sure. So the first ones are like puzzle, action-adventure, platformy. Right. And by the later ones, it was like first-person shooter. It was like ridiculous. Gem <laughs> <laughs> show me some footage uh, of, of this and it yeah. blew my mind Harry I was... Potter and the Gears of War it was like ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> literally it's a Gears of War clone it's mad and then mad. some of them you've got augmented reality ones as well um, just straight puzzle ones um, Japanese style RP- uh, JRPGs at one point you've got sports games a bit fee-free they sort of tried every medium um, to sort of look at the stories and, and explain them not all of them are good many are bad okay but um that's a surprise <laughs> i know who would have thought that like harry potter doesn't translate well into like cover-based shooting but i mean I, so here's here's my thing being 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 a right grump i would i would assume that they were all bad i would just assume that they're not very good but you actually think no there's there's a bunch of stuff that is good in there yeah especially the early games so i sort of separated when i was thinking about the games because there's so much to say especially from me so i sort of looked at which ones are successful as adaptations and which ones failed and why and sort of video games as an adaptation like what what are you trying to do with them what should you do with it um so i think firstly um adaptation should uh appeal to the existing fans um, first and foremost so harry potter was already wildly popular at this point so if you make something that is a good example of harry potter a good adaptation you're going to have a huge audience already right sure um and then if it's um, strong enough, you will attract new audiences because everyone is enjoying it. Everyone loves Harry Potter anyway. Apparently the game's really good. So that's that. Hmm. Um, and Harry Potter fans in particular, like um, I think what a lot of people love about the, the the world is the world itself, more so than the characters. People aren't necessarily like, I'd love to be friends with Harry. They want to go to Hogwarts. They're waiting for their own Hogwarts letter. Yeah, right, yeah. Rather than maybe something like Lord of the Rings, um, you don't necessarily like, I wish I was going to Mordor and like, <laughs> <laughs> suffering. Yeah. People love Gandalf and they love Frodo, right. but yeah, people want to explore the wizarding world. So you've got the studio tour, which started out, how do we make the films? But as it's gone on, it's evolved. And now they've built right, like the Forbidden Forest. They've built Platform 9 and 3 quarters. They've yeah. built Gring- Gringotts Bank. So you can go and sort of pretend that you're there. And I've obviously realized that's what's more popular about it. You've got the theme park, which once again is supposed to go. You can fly a broomstick. You can do this. You can get sorted. Um, you've got the spin-off books, so you can buy some of um, Harry's actual school books. You've got the Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which mm. then became another spin-off series. But they were books that you could read and pretend that you had your own books from Hogwarts and you were studying a student. You've got like cosplay, and there was even like a big castle in Poland, I think, where people set up that you could attend Hogwarts. You did actual lessons, and they would sort of, you know, this is how you make potions and stuff. Go in full uniform, and you'd cosplay for like several days. You'd live the fantasy, like like the Renaissance fair style stuff. That is the commitment people have. They're not like, I'm going to pretend to be Harry. They are going to Hogwarts themselves. Right, okay. And that's what the fans want. So the games that made you feel like you could explore the wizarding world and you could attend Hogwarts, those were the good ones. And those are the popular ones. So what? what's, okay, so give me an example of um, what, are the, what are the good ones where you can actually go and the adaptation is essentially you are a either either Harry or or just a student there or, or yeah. how how you can explore. So the first three um, that came out, three films books, they were adapted into lots of different platforms, but all of them were like you play Harry, you go through his adventure. But the more popular ones, like you go to classes. Some of them even got to do homework, which was really cool. So it'll be like, oh, make sure you go collect some fairy wings after class. And you'd like, <laughs> right, right. yeah, yeah, and you'd have to do this. And Hermione would be like, oh, we haven't done this yet. Like we're gonna get in trouble. Go do our homework. 
Um, you could and you could explore the uh, Diagon Alley, Nocturne Alley, the Weasley's house. It would just put you in there. Like the my favorite one is Chamber of Secrets on the PS2 specifically. Okay. Because the other ones like they had to take out certain bits, but the PS2 had like the I guess the best capabilities at the time mm-hmm. that you do the most. So they just put you in the Weasley's house. And then it's like, oh, I have to denome the garden for you like to go to bed. And you're like, oh, no, you know, go do your chores and stuff. Just fight a washing machine, obviously. So <laughs> who hasn't fought a washing machine boss sounds in like a time? Sunday to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, um, yeah, it was really cool. You could explore the Weasley's house. It's not like a linear thing. You could just sort of wander around, have a look. And then you get dropped into Nocturne Alley and they've got skulls everywhere and exploring the dark shops. And then yeah, you get to yeah. Diagon Alley. You can look around the pet shop and they mention in the books, like there's a guy talking about his two-headed newt. He needs to get medicine for it. And you can see it on the shelf in the game. And there's pygmy puffs, like the, all the things in the game. You can wander around Diagon Alley and just pretend you're having a shop, looking around. Um, and those are the games that like people have a lot of fondness for those early ones. I was going to say, because the... Um, so for example the Harry Potter games that I I think I might have played you know half an hour 45 minutes of one of the Harry Potter Lego games Mm -hmm. and um, those games I thought that they were particularly interesting in that they did let you they let you be slightly naughty in the world and explore some of some of that magic so for example like you know you would like a typical uh, Lego game where you know it would highlight over an object and then Harry would go you know Whatever it is, say say a spell name. It's, I'm sure something like that. Um, and uh, like it would then build an item from the world of Harry Potter, but it would be within the context of exploring like the laboratory or like potions class mm-hmm. or something like that. And it kind of made you feel. And even the the the, the stages, the sort of overworld was Hogwarts itself. And you yeah. got to run around mm-hmm. and kind of muck about with that kind of stuff. And it sounds to me like that really is the kind of fun stuff and like again shooting forward that ar adaptation is much more about being in the world yeah of the wizard you can world, physically right? like mix the potion and right. there's a there was ones called the book of spells and the book of potions where you had the like i remember the name was it's like a book that the playstation yes film yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't but then you're literally sat and it's like me with my own potion book and i've got a magic yeah. wand and create so taking it further into the immersive fantasy like and that's like they weren't as popular because the the technology wasn't as accessible. It wasn't, um, not everyone had it. It didn't work massively well. But I think if that worked really well and like mm. VR, if VR was really accessible and worked really well, that's the sort of maybe next step that people would really want to be in the world. Um, yeah, and that's what people really love about it. So, I mean, okay, so, so, with, so do we think then that like one core part of all of these, these successful games, the successful adaptations are about, if if we think that that's the that's the key sort of through line of the successful ones, is there like a key through line of the ones that aren't so successful or critically successful? I would say because obviously we're not talking about like commercial success necessarily; it's like critical success. So I mean, for example, um, there was the Quidditch game. Yeah. Now was that like was that good? Was that first of all was that a good game? And if it wasn't, like, was it? Is there? Is it like all the other bad ones? No, I think that one's really good, actually. It's fun to play, but it um, builds on the world. It builds on the lore, and it fits within the lore of Harry Potter. So you've got, they don't mention the Quidditch World Cup. That's the thing. They've got the spin-off book about it. So you've got different teams from different countries around the world, and they built different arenas that would reflect where they came from. They've got special moves. They all have their own uniforms. So you can imagine that like in the world of Harry Potter, these are what the teams look like. And you would go see and experience the Quidditch World Cup to look right, like this. Right. There's that concept and a lot of the games that we make, which is, um, so we work with GW a lot and they have this, um, 
this sort of narrative um, hook, which is called door ajar narrative. And it's where you, you place just enough information um, into the, the world building that you do to show a little bit of the world. And then you don't show anything more and you don't write anything, anything else. So for a really good example of this would be um, in, uh, uh, in uh, the rule books for, for uh, 40K, for example, they'll have lots of maps, starfield maps, and there will be a place in that, in that space called something like the Forbidden Star. And they won't explain what it is, they won't tell you anything about it, but you'll see that. And that's just enough for your imagination to be like, I wonder what happens there. And I think that this is the same with a lot of the Harry Potter stuff with, the, the, you know, it's that the satisfaction of that desire to figure out like, well, how is Quidditch played? And then this game comes along and says, this is the rest of that. Like, this is like how a tournament is run or like, these are the different teams that you might come up yeah. against that you don't see in the films. But really the interestingly, book. in the fifth game, um, they got, they actually got JK Rowling in to help. So the fourth game. They, it was level-based. It was the first one you couldn't explore the, the grounds of Hogwarts and it did not go down well. Everyone was like really excited to explore and you took that away. It was like levels, sure. same sort of sections. That one was really focused on like you could have friends playing with you in multiplayer. Um, local co-op will play with Harry, Ron and Hermione together. But it wasn't very fun. You didn't explore the world. The fifth one, they were like recreated the castle from the films um, and also from the books. And it was huge and you could explore all of it. They had motion capture from some of the actors like Rupert Grint, Ivana Lynch as well. And then they got J.K. Rowling in to like expand the universe. So in the books, you've got Gobstones and Exploding Snap. Now they've been mentioned and you could have played them in earlier games, but that was how the developers interpreted them. But she worked with the um, Order of the Phoenix, the team who made the game, to design proper rules for them. And then that became canon from the video game that's, in the world that, of Harry Potter. So you can play them awesome. in the game and she's like, this is how it would actually work. And I think that that's, that's also a really strong element of why somebody would want to do like an adaptation, right? Like you want to build out on that world. You want to like, you want to go down an avenue that maybe in a novel isn't particularly interesting. Like, yeah. like here's the rules for how this works. Yeah. Whereas like in a game, that's a perfect space yeah. to, yeah. Using a mini game, not just as a time filler to expand the world, which is really cool. Yeah. And also um, she would advise on like, so they wanted Neville um, to sort of, sabotage the clock tower as revenge on one of the teachers and she was like that's not his character if you do that it's going to feel very jarring so she was like but you know i think dean thomas would do that sort of thing he is that kind of character so she was there and those checks that she made made that game a lot better it felt like you could explore the world again and it was a better um exploration of the universe which mm. was really cool this is all making me think of the sort of harry potter game i would like to play um i'm playing a game at the moment called um no way out which is a really cool co-op um uh, game where you're in, in a prison with some other guy you have to kind of escape Whilst I've been playing it, it, reminded me of a game that Thomas worked on, The Great Escape, back in 2001, two, around about the same time. Um, and that game was awesome because you'd, you're a prisoner of war, you're in prison, you have to do your chores, all the bits. But then, of course, at night, the second the, the, the sun just disappears under the cover of darkness, it's all about escaping. But you have to make sure that you're there doing, you know, doing your gardening at 9 a.m. the next morning. That's the Harry Potter game I want to play. Not, not Harry as a prisoner of war. <laughs> what I mean, what I mean goodness, is yeah. you go to your classes, you've got all these things and places that you have to be. But the second your lessons are finished and everyone's gone to bed, yeah. you're out into Hogwarts yeah. exploring, finding the secret dungeons. Edit yeah. Harry Potter but you've got to make yeah. sure that I'm in, yeah. you know. And I'd say the class first, at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. The first three are very much like that. So the second one, once again, my favorite one, um, it uses the gameplay mechanics to tell the story. No, it doesn't just have a cutscene. This happens, then you do the next thing. So you're coming back from one of your classes one time, and you hear a voice, 
And then you stumble across a petrified body and you're like, I don't know what to do. Harry doesn't know what's going on. And if you haven't read the books or anything, you wouldn't know what's going on either. And then someone turns up and is like, this was you. And you're like, I just found them. I don't know what to do. And then, sure. So you also don't know what's attacking people in the school. You're you know, trying to solve the mystery alongside. So it doesn't just tell you how he found a body. You find it yourself. Mm. And then you sort of stumbled across it by accident. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, those, the where film, just in general, where adaptations fall down is when somebody's, you know, taken a property and that that shouldn't be a 2d platformer and made it into it right like so you know i'm sure there's a lot of love out there for for the robocop and terminator games mm. back on the mega drive and stuff like that but they are they are ostensibly not very good adaptations because they don't really get across what what those things are and i think that's the same with um it sounds like that's the same with with the the harry potter stuff because you know, when you're doing an adaptation of Quidditch, you're actually playing Quidditch. It isn't like, you know, soccer kid, you know, like yeah, a platformer yeah. kind of thing. And it's not when, and when you're wandering around the space and you actually feel like you're at Hogwarts, that feels like maybe that's where it's at. So are there examples then of, of Harry Potter games that, that kind of go off in very different directions? Well, like I mentioned earlier, the uh, Deathly Hallows part one and two, they came around, came out um, from a time that like shooters were really big and mm -hmm. so they this is a quote about the game the game makes extensive use of cover systems similar to that of Grand Theft Auto and Gears of War now if there's something you don't want to <laughs> compare Harry Potter to it's either of those games like right. it doesn't it, it's not built for that if you want to play a shooting game you'll play a shooting game you won't yeah. play Harry Potter those right. markets are so far removed as well yeah like, so they were right. like that's what everybody likes we'll make a game around that but you should have been like what do the fans want let's make a game the sells mm. to the fans because I don't think you're going to convert a Grand Theft Auto fan into a Harry Potter fan mm. by making it a reskinned shooting game. Um, and also it sort of breaks the law. So in the game, he shoots incredibly fast, like a machine gun sort of speed. And he doesn't say the name of the spell. You can do nonverbal spells in Harry Potter, but not at that speed. For him to do that, he'd be like even better than Dumbledore. But then like <laughs> in the early games, like the first three, they invent a brand new spell, Flipendo. It's a meme because it's like in all of them and he yells it all the time. And you get sick of him yelling it. But that is within the lore of the books. Right, right, so right. So even though they've invented a new spell, it builds on the world and it makes sense. But the, the spells he's casting machine gun style in the last two games, um, even though that is a real spell from the lore, it actually kind of breaks it. That feels very much like some suits were in a boardroom and were like, what's hot right now? What's yeah. hot right now? These things, can we mash them together yeah. in yeah. some sort of... So you just got arenas, you shoot, and then there's a little cutscene where they like try and cram as much story in as possible. The majority of that game is like um, you're intense. No, sorry, the majority of the book is you're intense. They're talking about difficult issues. They're mm. like emotionally, they're struggling. You know, Ron leaves at one point because he can't deal with the fact his family might be killed. It's very hard and it's very mm. sad. And I think now if you made that game, you might go for like a really story-based approach. Yeah. Like... Um, like until dawn or like yeah life yeah. is strange that sort of thing and it would work really well it's not about the shooting and the battles there's a battle at the end but it's about the emotional growth mm. and i think at the time they were potentially like there weren't so many games like that out there yeah so yeah i would love to see that like a, a life is strange type harry potter game that see just where you mentioned then like grand theft auto and gears of war being put in the same sentence as harry potter life is strange harry potter yeah, yeah makes nice. a lot more sense I, i'd buy that yeah. That's that's awesome. That's a great great marrying of two properties there. Well, it was like you know, and and God bless them. They, uh, they I don't think they're long for this world now. But like you know, the Telltale team, like mm. they when when they were the the really cool thing about what it was they were doing was taking these IPs where if you were to make a traditional you know quote unquote traditional video game out of them, you'd fail, right? So if you try and take um, if you try and take something like a uh, uh, 
fables, the graphic graphic novel series, and try and make you know a, a third person cover based shooter, it's going to be bad. But if you take a game that's all about you know one of the characters and they're a detective and it's about talking with people and and, and being in the world, then that works really really nicely. Mm. And I think that there is a there definitely feels like it feels like there was a, a period of time where adaptations were in like the NES early SNES era were really, really good. You'd get like Capcom absolutely banging out the park with like DuckTales and, um, and Chippendale and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then on the and Turtles, yes. thank you, Konami. <laughs> um, and like, and then more recently, you also have some really good adaptations. So um, obviously we're in the business of doing adaptations and I think that what we do is pretty good. Um, but like wider, I would say that stuff like, you know, you see people making games, uh, Black Sad, again, it's another graphic novel. Um, you see adaptations of, uh, oh gosh, um, you know, Alien, for example, and it's a first person spook up, you know, where, where, you know, it's a very, very, uh, it's a survival horror. Um, and those have worked really, really well. And then it feels like there's a middle period of time. And I think Harry, the, the reason that I've always thought that the Harry Potter games weren't particularly good and they sound really quite exciting is during that period of time, it felt like licenses were going for who, like for very small amounts of money and people were just kind of slapping licenses on anything and trying to, th and fit, like thinking, will this stick? Like, you know, it, it's the era of like, Shrek wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it's the era of, you know, um, oh, you know, just well, as you say, like Gears of War, Harry Potter and 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 um That's a great episode all to itself. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, or, or just games that have the worst adaptations. Yeah, the worst adaptations <laughs> possible. So the worst spin-offs possible. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like we're in the good adaptation period, which is which is which is nice. But Yeah, I, I think I, they're being led by what will tell the story best rather than being led by what's popular. Racing right. games, Shrek done like, that doesn't work. <laughs> there is a shrek racer i think yeah but yeah if you lead by because you don't always have to like um so they also said that they tried to make those last two games much darker because the audience were older they're like it's a darker story sure. however the lego games are ridiculous and they're still a really good fun way of exploring the world and they tell the, the last two films books um in all that darkness they tell it with humor characters are being killed left, right, and center, but like in jokey ways, there's no um, talking in any of the games, but it still manages to tell the story through like gestures and, and things. And it's, I think it's still a better way of communicating what's going on. You get more of the story even mm. than from the shooting Harry Potter mm. through the Lego adaptations. So you don't have to necessarily stick exactly to it, but you just got to like tell the story well. And I think that authenticity is really important. There's this, uh, I was talking with somebody, um, I think in the studio about this, and there's this temptation to think that when you're making video games, if you were to take, uh, if you take one genre and then you take an IP from from you know uh, TV or movies or comics or whatever, and you put those two t two things together, there is this temptation amongst certainly developers and potentially you know public and stuff like that to think, oh well, that means that people who like this IP and people who like this genre will both like this game. And I think actually it's the reverse. I think it's a case of like, sometimes it's a case of like, it's not that you will get people who like Gears of War playing this Harry Potter game and Harry Potter people playing this Gears of War game. It's more like you have to like both of these kinds of things. And actually, it, I think it actually like cuts your audience a little bit. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's one of those things of like, again, it's, uh, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about these kinds of things, I think it's that sense of, you know, what do people actually want out of 
out of this kind of a product, mm. right? And obviously, I know it's not an IP, but you know, one of the titles you worked on with us with uh, was 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 Mega Aquarium, right? Yeah. Fish, the ultimate IP, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, like it's 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 that like you have to figure out, I think, what it is that people want from a game about managing an aquarium. Yeah. It, that couldn't be, you know, a, a Life is Strange-esque, you know, beautiful emotional <laughs> really emotional adventure. choices about have you fed the fish today and it's like, <laughs> I'll do it later. Reverse time, quick. Um, and, you know, you, I, I think that, um, you know, and figuring out what that audience actually wants, mm. I think that's really important. I think that's the, the really cool thing that Tim did because obviously we yeah. ported the game. He figured out, well, what is it that people really like? Well, what they like is they like the idea of looking after these things. They like the ecosystems. And they also, importantly, they like wandering around and actually looking, and looking at the fish. looking at the fish, yeah. It's right. very important And we figured that out with our, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I guess I'm putting words in your mouth. But I, I think we kind of saw that with some of the marketing that we did. Yeah. We really lent into, um, you know, going to aquariums and like talking with fish pals and, like, yeah. you know, people who were like, who was that? Per there was a person online who was saying something along the lines of, you know, they used to be into aquariums. Yeah, there's someone who works in the aquarium currently. Well, and several of the people at the aquariums they visited, they all played the game in the evening. So they spend all day looking after fish. They go home and look after more fish because it captured the parts of looking after fish that they loved and took right. out the bits which were not so fun. And I think that transitions out into, you know, stuff like, you know, stuff like adaptations of, of IPs, right? It's like, what does a Harry Potter fan actually yeah want. do they want to be friends with ron and hermione maybe but mainly they want to get their letter they want to go to hogwarts and any game that didn't take you to hogwarts and give you the experience of exploring the wizarding world they were not as popular and even the ones like the game boy color um philosopher's stone was like a, the jrpg style one you get to go around gringotts and you you fight different rats and you have like turn-based <laughs> combat but you got to explore and you got to talk yeah. and actually look in the shops and buy things and it was still a lot more fun and engaging and with the um Deathly Hallows, the last two, the, the shooting ones, there was a DS adaptation, which couldn't do the cover-based shooting, so it went like, down a puzzly route. But once again, it was a lot more um, popular, and people said that was actually quite a good game because it was about camping and chatting to people and organising things, which the books are much more about. They're not so much about cover-based shooting. Mm. I, I never thought to, to have those two. I'm still trying to get my head around that, just the whole Gears of War stuff. When you showed me the footage earlier, I was, I was really it shocked It looks like a mod. That. Yeah, yeah. And it's like some <laughs> wacky mod that someone's just had a Sunday afternoon off of doing something. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm going to make you Harry Potter. You Thomas the Tank Engine to come through the window at some point. And they've improved it. <laughs> if that indie dev exists, get in touch with us because I'd like them to make Harry Potter colon Prisoner of War. That's the <laughs> game I want to play now. And I'll, um, I'll add a link to it in the um, show notes, but there's recently a Minecraft map that's come out that's been... Um, They've built Hogwarts, Hogsmeade, Platform 9 and 3 quarters, everything to scale. It is enormous. And they've put quests in. Um, it's a real labor of love from the fans. And everyone is extremely excited because this this is not even like you play through Harry's adventures. You can attend actual Hogwarts, explore every room of the castle. They've made it. It's enormous. I don't know. I think it's taken a few years to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that looks incredible. And they, I mean, they are the fans, so they know what they want to do. Mm hmm. I don't know how true the rumours are. Go is on. it happening or not? The open world RPG, Harry Potter one that is official, the Warner Brothers are making. There was a leak maybe like two years ago, I think, around mm. E3 they thought they were going to announce it. Um, you go to Hogwarts in the 1800s. Um, you, there's eight wizarding types to choose from. So it's set like um, before before Voldemort and all that stuff, but Hogwarts is established and you've got like, you go and you can choose to be good or evil. There's new locations, apparently canon. People are extremely excited. It looks really good. Well, it, sounds, it sounds a little bit like, it sounds like, I mean, open world, uh, medieval, well, not medieval, but old school. It sounds yeah. a bit like The Witcher. Yeah, I think so. They're sort of seeing like, 
you know, fans are making Hogwarts in Minecraft. They're spending years on it and everyone's excited. So I think they've finally right. been like, oh, if we make that. Yeah. Yeah. People, that's what they want. They don't want shooters. They want to go to Hogwarts. If you build that, yeah. the masses will come. So that that expanded world, because obviously, you know, we talk mostly about like the, the books and the movies, like, which I kind of think they're not interchangeable, but they are the same sort of story, my understanding is. Um, the expanded stuff, which is the, um, you know, the... Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and the stage play that we were just talking about. Like, so ha- have there been that many like digital adaptations that have, have dealt with that side of things? I know the AR app's a bit, a, a, a little bit about that. Yeah, stuff, so you've it? got um, Wizards Unite is the like nine, nine app, the Pokemon Go people. Oh, Niantic. Niantic. Um, so that's Wizards Unite. So that's got snippets of the world. And you can explore. So you, you get points and things and then you get to go like you're in Hagrid's hut. You can look around. My sister's a massive fan as well. And that was her favorite bit. She was like, you could go into these worlds and look around to certain rooms and stuff. So mm. what those are the people seem to be people's favorite bits again. Um, Fantastic Beasts did a hidden object game, which I love hidden object games. So sure. I give it a go. And it did expand the world a bit. Um, but there haven't been like any big digital explorations of them. Right. Um, I wonder why. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about it. I was like, why isn't there a Fantastic Beasts game? Well, we okay, right, okay. Hypothetical, and for any lawyers listening, we have not, we are not doing this. Um, but like hypothetically, like what what would we want to do in 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 the studio? What I mean, like you know, any any chances you could you could Budget get involved? No issue. Budgets, no no issue. You can do whatever you want. So I would go. Um, Fantastic Beasts, Newt Scamander. He travels the world and he discovers these creatures. He under- he tries to understand because initially people can be quite hostile towards them. Dragons and things they're dangerous. He watches them. How do they breed? What do they eat? What are their personalities like? How they interact with the world around them? He writes it down and comes back and teaches everybody. He writes Harry's school book. So if you could play a game as him you got to go follow this creature. He doesn't hurt them. He's not out to hunt them. You look at, you know, make notes, like a field journal, like oh, Pokemon Go style. Yeah. That would be incredible. And I think the first film really focused on the animals and because they all escape by accident. He has to catch them. He's like, oh, this animal acts like this. I'll catch it this way. You learn about the creatures. And that was the most popular bit. The second film was way more focused on this big um, Grindelwald, evil wizard, trying to take him down, similar to Voldemort again. And it was not nearly as popular. Everyone's like, where are the creatures? We right, want to expand right, right. the universe. So if we could make a game that was focused on that, that'd be incredible. So like a, like so one of my favorite games is a game called Hakuna Matata. I think it was also called Africa and Pokemon Snap, mm-hmm. where you could like go out and take photos of things and like use different lenses and so on and stuff like that. So kind of like going and watching these creatures and hanging out. Kind of like a, a passive version of the hunter. Like like a very sort of like rather than like shoot beautiful animals, you just go and like scribble well, down even some like notes in the about Witcher, why they're cool. It's like, oh, here's some tracks. I can see, you know, what's this animal done? It's eating these things, followed them. This is its lair. And he sort of figures out how it lives so then he can kill it. But you could just fill it, figure out how it lives, make right. notes. Yeah. Then that's your book that you send And back. you could just really say, cool. get out, pause, pause on this. Fig- you figured it out. Nicely done. We'll handle the yeah, rest. Yeah, leave it alone. Don't kill it and take yeah. its head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen, maybe not. I think, that sounds good. Um, for me, I, I would love to see... Now, Insert Foghorn, but being a massive XCOM fan, no, actually, yeah. Yeah, sorry, uh, Go on. and um, and loving um, the our release of Acton Cthulhu Tactics, right? Um, which you know is is a similar sort of game, um, but like, like taking that idea of a, of a turn based squad, almost like a ta- tabletop game. I'd love to see that applied to the Harry Potter universe, well, where you've got your squaddies, you've got your you've got your uh, titled characters and whatnot, but then of course you can insert your friends and family, all the rest of it, permadeath, yeah. different abilities, and they play through a, a great campaign. But you've got this set piece because there's. You know? There's, isn't there um, 
in the fiction, there's a there's a group of people who are like special agents, aren't there? But like, you could also have Harry has to study, and he's very bored by it. I don't know how you could be the like really gory um, goblin rebellions. They'd look back at these big wars between the goblins and other races. Mm. Um, potentially the wizards, I think. But yeah, there's there's clearly like a lot of these like they they're constantly studying these wars. So there must you could do like a sort of gobliny type yeah. game. See, that's reminded me of of some of the the Warhammer stuff where you've got like one game and then there's something else, but it's set. Like was what was that loose link with Dark Future? There was a, a theory that it was it was set very loosely connected to the Warhammer universe, theory. but the, the theory. But I, I love the <laughs> yeah. idea of something, even if something that's kind of mentioned as a, a a bit of an aside, like in the film. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, that that be, could become a great yeah. property yeah. all to itself. He references you know? like dates and certain names, but he finds it very boring. Doesn't want to study it. So Hermione, but it's never looked at in detail. But that could work because you'd be like, oh, it's that person he didn't remember the name of and this you know. and to me that's the most exciting bit it's like you know I, i'll happily help you guys make whichever ones <laughs> you want to make but like to me the exciting bit is like exploring the bits of the world that haven't been explored already mm. so for me like you know i'm interested in you know uh you in the movie you might see like a page of one of the spell books i want to see the 300 pages afterwards yeah. like, i want to see everything that's in there like I, I like filling out these worlds that have you know where where you know you can find out all sorts of things about uh, about who's doing what and and like delve into the areas that you were always like oh I wonder what's yeah. just around the corner. Um, so Harry Potter, some strong adaptations, some very good ones. PS2 version of Chamber, Chamber of Secrets, Secrets yeah, not the PS and Mac, um, PC and Mac one. It's okay, they're different fine. again. Okay, the, uh, yeah, they're all. But there's good. some good adaptations, and and we think that there's a we think that there's some basic rules, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So my two golden rules, I think, for adaptations is give the fans what they want, right? And make sure you stay true to the source material. There's a part of me that wants to go back and rewatch some of these films now. I I watched all of the films up until I think Azkaban, Prison of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. I think that's potentially I think, the best one. So that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You hear that a lot, and I think that's why I'm drawn to it because also I remember watching. I remember watching it and the tone did shift. You kind of go over the fence and you think, oh, right, this is not really a kid's film anymore. Um, and it gets quite dark and you think, right. Uh, but that was, ironically enough, it was at that point when I kind of switched off. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go back and finish that thing. I think yeah, I'm ready for it. I think you should. Yeah. Be prepared for the, the last two films. Emotional. I think I know what happens. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Tense. <laughs> Very tense. Um, Pete, thanks so much for all your input today. Thanks, man. It's I, cool. I'm glad I had some when I knew very little about Harry Potter. Now I feel like I know quite a lot about it. I'm glad you're both very educated. And I can't wait for you to tell me I had to go home and uh, download the Chamber of Secrets on PS2 and emulate it. <laughs> I fully expect <laughs> Which to we hear do not your condone. Feedback, which we do not condone. Do not condone. Uh, but uh, just go and do it. Um, uh, what else? Um, good. We know we have our two golden rules. Yeah. If you're going to adapt a video game, you heard it here first, guys. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to do. Brilliant. Well, um, I'm going to shill some stuff, Matt. Hit me. All right, listen. Um, so, obviously, we have adapted a bunch of video games, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be one of our podcasts if we weren't shilling something. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a fancy deal for anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, uh, if you want to see like how we have adapted games in the past, um, you can go and see Dark Future, for example. That's over on Steam. Great game. It's very satisfying to thank play. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, that's an example of a digital adaptation where we kind of went uh, off book and we we didn't really 
adapt the mechanics. We kind of took the feeling and we went in a different direction, but we kept the world. And you can go and play Ogre, and that's a very much a straight adaptation. That's how we went and did that. It's very faithful to the original. Um, go and see Act and Cthulhu, how we put something along those lines together. How we worked Cthulhu into, uh, uh, you know, your favorite genre, Matt. Yeah, Squad-based. Squad-based uh, tactics game. Um and yeah, you can go and do those things if you want. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, <laughs> the best thing you can do really is subscribe to this podcast, I would say. Yes, yes. A co- um, leave us a review as well. We want to hear from stuff. everybody. Hit us up on Facebook, Let Twitter, Instagram. Let me know Instagram. your favorite Harry Potter game because I could talk for hours about those. Drop right. into the Discord and yeah. I'll chat about Harry Potter for hours with you. I want to see the Discord comments about what the best Harry Potter game is yeah. from our listeners. Maybe there's a fan who like loves the Deathly Hallows and they're going you know, to come like, at me. It yeah. was an amazing <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. Going on. We want, Let's yeah, have that discussion. Remember, we're all friends here though we're, yeah. we're not inviting you know any kind of verbal abuse or anything no no jer- no jerks that's <laughs> no jerks no jerks we want to just have a healthy conversation whether you like the same we're, things or we don't. want we want to have a healthy constructive <laughs> conversation about the gears of war clone in the harry potter uh, universe so the more we talk about it i want to play that now. Yeah, i want to play, play actually, that game yeah. that's not the game supposed to come away from this wanting to play excuse me do you know what i bet you were thinking when you put the notes together thinking yeah i'll reference that. that's a great reference and all of a sudden it's become so, the, oh, the, the, game the overall entity <laughs> um, and yeah I'll put a load of links in the description I'll put the trailer for the Minecraft one because it's incredible um, and also I didn't get to mention him but one of my favourite parts of any adaptation is PS1 Hagrid a huge mood a great meme for our times I'll just it's just a link to a picture of him you need to see him the, the most faithful adaptation I think of Hagrid <laughs> enjoy what a banger